Welcome to Talk on the Way, where we have conversations of faith, life, and being better humans. Ready? Are we ready to kick this off? Yeah, we might as well go ahead and get started, finished up eating. What are you drinking tonight? I am uh, drinking the Bale Breaker IPA. Nice. Nice little uh, classic Pacific Northwest brewery. I don't think I drink anything fancy on the podcast. I usually drink whatever's in the fridge. Gotcha. And it's kind of general stuff. There's a beer from Tillamook, Oregon called Degard Brewery uh, that I absolutely love. I need to bring that on the podcast sometimes. Nice. Yeah. I am not having a beer tonight on our top plays podcast because I... uh, I'm trying to cut back on carbs just a little hmm. bit because I'm I'm I am able to exercise a little more now, even with the herniated disc stuff that we've talked about. But that's not a lot. So I've gained weight and I'm not happy about that. So mm-hmm. I want to try and lose it. So I'm not cutting out carbs, but I'm trying to watch them a little bit better. So mm-hmm. I'm drinking less beer. I need basically a little less beer. Which I don't drink a lot anyway, and a lot less bread. That's what I need to do. Yeah, classic. Yeah, bread's the hard one. But uh, whose turn is it to do the wonderful intro? I think it's you. Is it me? I think so. I think you're right. I mean, Uh, first things first, everybody's got to know that you're wearing a shirt today. Yes. Oh, a tank top. <laughs> tank top. I, yeah. I, I went ahead and left the air on because I realized last time I left the air on and it never picked up on off the mic. So I can't I, hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're okay that I can leave the air on while we're here. Um, but yes, everyone, if you didn't guess already, welcome to Talk on the Way, a podcast. On the journey of life, where we are hoping to become better humans. Life, faith, and something else. I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> life, faith, the journey be- of life, life, faith, and being better humans. Being better humans. Yeah. You, yes, we should know our own thing. It's because I always have it in front of me, so I never have to put mm-hmm. it in the memory. But I... It's not in front of me right now. Yeah. So life. The fun thing is. Oh, sorry. Keep. Sorry. Did not mean to cut you off there. I I was just thinking like the fun thing is that I do multiple podcasts and I've been a guest on multiple podcasts as well, but there's something about having a new podcast and getting used to the format, getting used to the flow, the conversation. Right. It's not like I'm not, I don't feel awkward or we're talking to you but there's something different about knowing that it's being recorded right. and then i think i try too hard most of the time and i'm not myself because i'm trying to maybe come up with the right words or something i don't know maybe a little bit but yeah. uh i mean i think the beer probably helps maybe i need yeah. to, maybe if i had been drinking i wouldn't have been thinking about it too much and i would have just spewed out our uh lovely slogan <laughs> of talk on the way a journey of life, faith, and being better humans. It's pretty easy to remember. It is. I just, I froze on the spot. But anyways, 
it happens. I will say we some feedback we have been getting, and everyone that listens, please rate, review. Even if you got some uh, strong criticism, let us know so we can try and make things better. But rate, review, share the podcast. But with that said, I've gotten some feedback from some people of how well we do flow and how it seems we sound like it's just easy conversation for us. Yeah. So we got some people fooled. Yeah. Nah. I mean, we don't talk every day, but we've been friends long enough that I think, I think we're probably in our heads that it, that we, that you think you may be worried too much about trying to say the right thing. And I feel like I freeze where in reality, we probably, from what people are saying, we flow really well. Yeah. It's similar to when I'm editing a photo of myself, I'm like, Oh, I should have stood up straighter or I should have turned this way. Or I don't know the classic, you know, critiques of like, Oh, you see every little flaw when it's you because you're so used to looking at yourself or hearing yourself. Like, I don't like how my voice sounds. Me neither. I I feel like I'm chewing on my cheeks when I talk. But I think a lot of people don't like the way they sound recorded. That makes sense. I've always I've heard that from a lot of from a lot of different people. Uh, we talked about that a little bit when we had Caleb on uh, two mm-hmm. episodes back, and he he said because of working in audio production, that was one of the first things he went to school for before he went to for ministry. It made him get very used to it. So where it doesn't bother him as much anymore, but he also probably got better practice at it. Yeah. Makes sense. He sounds so good. I'm jealous. I've listened to his episode multiple times Yeah, and he sounds so good and he has such good flow. He has amazing sentence structure. Definitely a lack of ums and likes. I don't want to carry on too long before we get into the meat of everything and waste our time and waste people's time. But I had a friend recently that she has to do a podcast for school she lives in canada and for school she's having to do this podcast and she was asking how do you get comfortable doing a podcast because she says that she has to do like really close notes and or actually uh i just did a numb she has to do really close <laughs> notes or just like manuscript and it sounds like she's just like reading it she says so i just told her don't worry, especially starting out, about the ums and the likes because you it would rather have ums and likes and sound casual and sound like good flow yeah. than come off as like mechanical and as though you're just reading a script the whole time. For and sure. I told her if it's in her mind to not say um or do a lot of likes, then if you're thinking about it in the back of your mind, subconsciously you'll start catching yourself. And, um, 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 yeah. it kind of goes away after a little bit, but I don't know how it went. That's not a thing she normally does. There was, just, but I'm, like, I'm just thinking, I don't know if I'm a one to ask professional advice, but I'll do what I can. That's sick. <laughs> I mean, they reached out to you, so that's a big deal already. Right. Yeah. She knows I've, I do podcasting stuff. So, yeah, I mean, not to the level that you and Mark do with Mirror Coffee Roasters, our unofficial ad sponsor, because <laughs> at some point there'll be an ad sponsor. I need to buy some more, actually. 
I just need to send you some more because this is part of the sponsorship, eh? There you go. Look at that. Hey. How's the cold brew game? This is prime season for cold brew. Oh, yes. I've been drinking a lot of it. Okay, we're going a little long in the intro, but we'll be quick. This will be good. <laughs> so there's a guy I know. His name is Kevin Ming, and he's part of the Furnace Fest community. He was also part of the Bad Christian community, which is now sort of defunct. It's now all just like Emory fan community. Anyways, so I've known him online. I don't think we've ever met in person, but I've posted it on my personal Instagram, and I've sent you a picture. He knows some people that have a coffee company, and they did coffee with his face on it. Oh, sick. And so there is a band called Knocked Loose. They're a really, really heavy, I guess you would say metalcore band. Really, really heavy, brutal, really awesome live. Gotta so look any, him up right now. Anyways, he basically they use his face on it's called Q Brew C U E brew if i remember correctly that the the company they took his face they made the picture very blue and they took the name of a knock loose album that's every shade of blue and they call it every shade of brew so i had that recently and he's sick yeah i bought because i know him and i was like this is actually pretty good and so we kept making jokes online in furnace fest about how i'm about to I'm about to have a taste of Kevin today and <laughs> and yada, yada. But uh, he's actually going to send me another bag because he's a really nice guy. And he messaged me. He's like, hey, what's your what's your address so I can send you another bag? I paid for the first bag. So Knock Loose is big. They are big. They're good. Wow. So anyways, that was good. It wasn't specifically for Cold Brew, but there's another one I got recently that from them – that I just haven't opened yet. I've been really lazy and just buying it a lot. Speaking of that, you should buy Props new cold brew. Oh, yeah? He just Is dropped it... the Terraform cold brew in cans. Really? So yeah. we're t- Props is propaganda. Rapper, spoken word. He has podcasts. He does a lot of things. He has Social his own coffee. Activist. Yeah. Yes. Is this with Onyx? No, this is his own brand, his own everything. Nice. So yeah. I d- nice. I will check that. I'll check that out for sure. But yeah, so it's been going well. I did do the Geisha Kukumbura. I can't believe that. Ten That's year. wild. Ten year. I, th- I want to say it's a Colombian. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So real quick for everyone, what is when it comes to coffee, what does it mean when it says the packaging says Geisha? Or geisha, I don't know how it's pronounced. G e s h a. Geisha. We do not say geisha in this house for okay. many reasons. That's okay. appropriation. Um, no geishas. It's geisha. Okay. I mean, I've debated this with many coffee professionals. The fact that it should not be spelled G e i s h a. It should be spelled G e s h a. Theirs is. Ah, it's G e or G e i. G e. I'm pretty positive Perfect. theirs is GE. Perfect. I mean, I've they thrown know. my I've thrown my box away already because it was like yeah. two weeks ago. Um, it's one of the rarer, not the rarest, but rarer varietals in coffee. Okay, um, like many many things like apples. There's different types of apples: a green apple, a Granny Smith, 
uh, red apple. There's different varieties of apples in the same way in coffee. There's just different varieties in many different varieties. Um, some as weird as just numbers or like SL28 is a popular one out of Kenya. Gesha is a rare variety that got discovered in Panama in the first year. It was so different and so wild in flavor that is sold um my butcher this but it was around six hundred dollars a pound green that sounds like a lot to a coffee roasting company in japan it was a lot it's insane it's a lot like when we buy expensive coffee at mirror we're usually spending 15 dollars a pound green before that's fob 15 dollars so I shouldn't be using coffee terms, but to those coffee nerds that are listening, you know what that means. Right. Um, so yeah, so $600 a pound green is expensive and that's, geshas are super expensive. Some geshas that we've sold at the cafe, I don't know how much you paid for the kookaburra one, but we've sold them for roughly $92 a pound. Okay. How, but like how much is in a normal thing? It's like what, only like 16 ounces. I mean, less. It's four yeah. ounces. Yeah. So you're buying a little baggie of worth of like maybe f- five pour overs for like 40 right. bucks. Yeah. I didn't pay that. I think I may have paid over 20 for it. Oh, you got a slam. I, why did I, I not think know I may this? be wrong, but it wasn't that I much. I should have bought it. It's How still late. available. Really? We are going so long. <laughs> I mean, how long? How much are we? This is a wild intro. It is a wild intro. Talk about good flow. This is great. Yeah. This is the longest intro we've had. But coffee is important. Now, here's here's the issue as we talk about uh, cold brew. I just did an uh, as you noticed. (laughs) Since I make cold brew, I know for a fact I cannot give a true account for the coffee. I can tell you what it tastes like in my cold brew process. <laughs> oh man, Ward, you're making me laugh. You're like a bougie mother effer. I don't know if this is good. <laughs> I don't want to make this an explicit podcast, but apparently <laughs> the fact it's, that you're... it's so just, yeah, because I got it up. The Gesha is $27 online. Mm-hmm. And so I probably, I don't know if I paid a full 27. I may have only paid 25. That's definitely the most I've ever paid for a thing of coffee. But I saw it and the packaging is really good. And I, and I read Gesha and I had no clue what it was. But I remembered that Sergey, Sergey Katrovsky gets excited about coffee. That's Gesha. And that's all Hell I remembered. Yeah. And then I saw that it was like, Cheers to 10 years, Kookaburra. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and just buy this. But I did not remember what it was. I Someone just, from Kookaburra should be listening to this and be like, hell yeah, Sergi's uh, helping with sales. Heck yes, because it's true. I remembered you saying, like, at some point being excited about Gesha. So I'm like, okay, wait, this is this is special, and it's 10 years I'm going to buy it. And so I did. And yeah, so I either, I can't, I don't think it was $27. I want to say it was like maybe 25, but it very likely could have been 27 like it is yeah. online. I need so, to jump on that and buy a bag. It is still available. It's still available at uh, 
at the I did another um now I'm gonna notice them tonight. <laughs> Sorry, I messed <laughs> oh, you up. Well, no big I feel like eh. I'm doing pretty good though. Yeah, no big deal. But as I was saying, it's still available in the shops. So they oh. must have done enough of it that it's going pretty quickly or and still being uh, available to purchase. So it's not like it's sold out or yeah. how close it would be at. I don't know. I see it every time I go in the 312, which is the closest shop to me. So oh, yeah. anyways, well, while we're on the whole life thing, because this is a podcast about the journey of life, right? We're going to get into yes. other things, but the journey of life here. Yes. Um, that was a very, very long. Um. <laughs> yeah, you just did one. Sure did. Well, I was thinking, what would be a good time we're planning on making a trip, a family trip to you? St. Augustine, Jacksonville, Tampa, all over. Kind of when were you thinking? Are you trying to do it before this year's over? Yes, definitely this year. August isn't going to happen. That's too soon. Right. As far as like making me the mo- the main reason you're coming, obviously. <laughs> uh for me, I just got a lot of stuff going on. So just come when you can. And if it works out that my day's mm-hmm. off, we can mm-hmm. hang out. We'll do it because mm-hmm. I have Furnace Fest coming up in September. The 21st. Is that in town or out of town? No, that's in Alabama. So I have that trip. Oh, so you're going to be gone. I have that trip the 21st through the 26th. Then October 12th is when they slice my neck open. What? That's when That's I have surgery. Fair. That's when I have Damn. surgery. So wow. now here, here's the thing. I will, I may not, I will not be able to work for a certain amount of time. And otherwise it's not supposed to be that rough of a recovery. So if somehow you, Deja and Rain, were to come around while while I'm recovering, that mm-hmm. might would actually work out well. I've yeah. been told from one doctor, oh, you'll be back at it in just a few days. Then I had this, my surgeon last time said like two weeks. And then mm-hmm. the last time I met him, he said maybe two weeks you could start kind of doing stuff. But then, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't Dang. know. So, that might be a good idea to come around that time. Maybe we can even record a podcast in person. Who knows? That would be cool. Otherwise, I don't know. Because because of Furnace Fest and then shortly after that having surgery, I'm just not going to be taking off much time this year. Oh, yeah. Totally. After yeah, that. I have no expectation for you to take time off. I'll right. probably most likely stay in Lake Helen uh, around Deja's grandparents' place. Understandable. And then visit. Rain is old enough where she can stay with her i guess great grandmother and yeah and we can probably go off for a day and get an airbnb at our hotel in san augustine right now sunday and monday is when i'm off work i can always finagle perfect i can always finagle also like working at the shop with justin that's not as big of a deal it's more the days in uh production are kind of set anyways we can figure all that out but i'm not liking this idea of you not bringing rain because last time you came, Rain slept the whole time. She's a <laughs> small little kid now. Then for the first time, she actually went into a pool. 
Oh, or nice. Until, like she had a whole, uh, yeah, her nanny took her. She had a whole like suit on, a floaty suit. Yep. So I'm excited I, to hear. I don't know how it went because I haven't checked. I hear she got home. Right. I hear them arriving home, but I haven't been upstairs yet. I I remember when my nephew, who's eight now, when he was going through that and learning how to swim and also it's fun. He yeah. now does not really seem to have a fear of the water. That's for sure. Sick. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll bring rain. We'll make sure that you get to uh, visit with rain. <laughs> I mean, obviously, do whatever is best for you all. But if rain is with you, that's a plus in my opinion. Sweet. Yeah. So <laughs> we don't have a timer on this thing, but I know we've gone a <laughs> while with this intro. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, if thanks I have for to. sticking around with us, folks. Yeah. If I have to, I may edit a tiny bit. I may edit out the beer stuff. Because yeah. that was so early on. So anyways, he's drinking beer. I'm not. I'm cutting carbs in case that part was edited out. If it isn't edited out, that's fine too. So but today's topic, speaking of life, I wanted to talk about, and I mentioned this to you a few weeks ago, but I wanted to talk about the idea of letting go of plans and even like making plans and having these dreams and ideas, things we want to do, things that we think we're going to do, we're sure we're going to do. And then at some point, we have to let go of them. They don't pan out. And this is like turned up a notch in the Christian world yeah. because the way I was raised, often would hear about God's call. Mm -hmm. This is the plan God has for you. And so there will be times that I know has happened to me and I've heard it happen to other people where they say, this is what God has called me to do. And then you meet them two or three years later. And not only are they not doing that, but what they said was his call never even like happened. Mm -hmm. And the worst part, in my opinion, this has never happened to me. Is I've known some people and listeners, if this triggers something for you, I'm sorry. But I've heard people say that they had feelings for someone. Yeah. And told that person, because they believed this, told this person, God has told me you are the one for me. Or God has told me that I will marry you. God has told me we will be together. And they never even date. Because the other person's response to that is, I don't. You're I don't, crazy. I don't see you that way. I don't feel, I don't have those feelings and nothing happens. So, right. so yes, all of that ideas of just like life, we have dreams, we have plans. And especially in the Christian world, there's this where we say, Oh, God's call. And mm -hmm. it's like, God's call is for me to my mission in life to, even if it's just for a period, my season is to do this, to plant this church or to move to here or to, this or that, and it doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. So not only do people in life have plans that fall through, have things we want to do that sometimes we have to let go of, but in the Christian culture, especially at least in America, because that's all I know, we sometimes are told and or believe God's call, God is saying this, and then we have to eventually let go of it and say, this is not going to happen. So 
that's a lot. What do we do with it? Yeah. Uh, do we want to start with the theological aspect of what does it mean to be called by God? Or do we want to kind of process more? Because you're talking about a real life experience for you, right? Yes. A few yeah. real life experiences. And I know, and I know, I'm not going to speak for you, but you've mm-hmm. talked about open theism. And I don't know yep. if, I don't know if that changes it at yep. all. Uh the the idea of the call so we can talk about that i guess we can like just, i mean does it does yeah, it like, i was gonna say or or like uh you know crap what's his name the guy from theology doesn't suck or what's that podcast we've talked about him i just blanked on his name i know his name really good ah anyway a, but he a had a people. conversation with a theologian who spoke about yeah, he spoke about um, open and relational theology, which I'm a big proponent for open and relational theology. Right. Then um, Trip Fuller from the Homebrewed, uh, the, uh, Homebrewed Christianity podcast, great. The podcast has been around forever. And obviously, like the concept of open theism. Ward, I'll be honest with you, you may not know this, but I think regarding open theism, I am slightly changing my perspective on open theism i don't fully embrace it but i also uh, i'm leaning more towards open and relational theology okay they're a little different there's a little more nuance to them um so from theologically i think we can have a conversation around the static will of god or the dynamic will of god those are two big things for me when it comes to understanding what does the will of god or what is the will of god uh, gotcha. Then, uh, yeah, the, the, there's a lot of things that are interwoven. I think the main thing to keep in mind is the fact that the whole universe operates on the law of relationship. So everything's interconnected and everything in the world is relating to one another, uh, whether that's human beings to one another or that's just the cosmos itself. It's working in the form of relationship. Gotcha. So when we look at the will of God, we have to think of that from a concept of relationship, that everything's attached. Therefore, when we make choices, we affect how the main picture turns out. Gotcha. So, okay, but then there's that thing of like, if this is God's plan for you, and we say what God wants, and at least in the culture I grew up in, what God wants to happen he'll make happen if he wants if his plan is for you to do this you're gonna do this so then if it's i guess that's the relational theism Mm -hmm. it's more of that thing of no you have more sway and if you do this or not you know yeah so you possibly could change yep for sure i think god works on behalf or he works on influence and not coercion. Right. So he doesn't speak in absolutes in the cell in the sense of God. I rarely think God says things like you shall do this, or I don't know. It's really hard to even categorize or speak for God. Like right. we all no, know how universe and how God influences us. We all know that. It's rarely in terms of absolution. It's always in terms of 
this kind of relational aspect and it's really hard to even use the right terminology to describe what that is or what that is not right. because it's so relational and it's so subjective to your life experience. And I think the main concept of God speaking is the fact that God wants you to understand. He is not speaking in ways that is trying to hide or trying to disconnect you from what's best for you. He always wants what's best for you. So therefore we have to accept that when he speaks something like the will, his will for your life, it's the best possible outcome for your okay. life. And I agree with that. And I'm going to, to jump it off. That's because of just looking back on some things that have happened in my life recently. And also just looking at 40 years of, where I thought I was going to do this. I thought maybe I was going to do that. I thought God was saying this, yada, yada, yada. So we'll, and we'll be able to kind of touch on some of these things along the way. We probably won't go too far into the relational or open just because mm -hmm. that's a topic of itself, but I do think it may relate at times as we just go through the conversation. So I don't want you to answer this yet. I want you to answer this at the end. Okay. But I want you to think about if someone was to say, because this may have been told to you, if it hasn't been told to you, I guarantee you people that are religious Christians have thought this. God's plan was for you to meet Deja, get married, and move back to Seattle. Before you were born, while you before you were knitted in your mother's womb, God's will someone could say destiny we won't get into that but god's will was that you would marry deja move back to washington state and then have rain god's will would be that that would be the life you would be living now but that was his will and that was the call on your life before you even knew it was so don't mm -hmm. answer that yet so anyways that's kind of a common statement. The reason I want to talk about this, because I've been thinking about where I am in life. I am 40 years old. I am single. I am lower income compared to many places in the world. I'm filthy rich. But for American standards, I'm lower income. I, when I was younger planned on being married already. I planned on living in the St. Augustine. I planned on working in music and, or at one time I went to college and thought I was going to be a counselor. The only thing in those plans that has happened really is I live in St. Augustine. I've done a little bit music. I've wrote for a magazine. I've booked some stuff. So locally, I've done music, but not to the level I thought. So really, all that's happened is I live in St. Augustine. Things have not gone according to plan. And I've had to let go of things, which sometimes can be difficult. But when you look at also the Christian aspect there's been time the getting married 
I can't really say, oh, God, I felt like God told me that. But I definitely thought that was part of God's plan for me. Mm-hmm. The moving to St. Augustine, it seemed like that was God working because I came here one summer, randomly saw an email or saw something on Facebook about the foundry that I hadn't seen since I first heard about the foundry like two years before. I was like, you know what? I'm going to check it out. This is really interesting. Contact the person that's running it that I met. He doesn't even live in St. Augustine anymore. I meet the people and something is just telling me you're going to be part of this. And I, I still believe it's God. I'm very skeptical about the whole God's call thing. If that's not obvious already, Mm -hmm. but I do think that was God. So I met with the people that ran it, Jeff and his wife, Lisa. And I just felt like, okay, it's time to move St. Augustine to be part of this nonprofit. I think that I go back home. I start talking to people at my church, which things are going great at the church. I'm working with the youth group. I'm the second, you know, like in charge of high school ministry, which is something I had volunteered with forever. It was literally me and the youth pastor or student minister at the time. We had already changed the name to student. He and I were sitting down creating like the plan for the year. So it was awesome. And all of a sudden, I just feel like I'm supposed to leave. And then there was a sermon about breaking chains. And it was the chains that are good, but they still hold us back. And I just really felt like that sermon was about this decision. So I was like, I think I'm supposed to move to St. Augustine. Next thing I know, I have a job interview. They almost, uh, almost on the spot hire me. And... Much quicker than I ever thought possible, I found a place to live, and boom, here I was in St. Augustine. It happened so fast. You know, if everything's seemed like God put it in motion. Within mm-hmm. two years of living here, that nonprofit that I moved here for was gone, fell through. I thought God's plan was helping helping this community and creating something. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I was forced to let that go mm-hmm. because I had no control of the community ending. But this idea of it seemed so clear. God's call in that moment was to move to St. Augustine, be part of the foundry project. That's what it was called. Mm-hmm. And so he made all of these things happen so much quicker than I ever would have thought possible. And then within two years, it's gone. Not only was it gone, but I was pissed. Mm -hmm. I had a hard time going to church after that because my community, the only people I really knew in this town, really knew. Mm -hmm. You know, that community was, that was my, even though we didn't call ourselves a church, we were a faith-based organization. It was, and we even were starting to do Sunday morning gatherings. That was my church. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's this thing of like, I had to let go of that, but I only had, I had to let go of that, but I had to wrestle with, so what the hell? Mm-hmm. As a Christian, this was supposed to be like my mission. This was like this, at least for this season in my life, to use Christian terminology, this season of my life was going to St. Augustine to be part of this and help this community become something. And then it's just gone. Where's your call, God? Where's your will? 
you know, so. Yeah, that's super challenging. Um, main thing that comes to my mind is the fact that when we talk about things like that, especially specifically your situation, we're always experiencing everything from our perspective. So True. God spoke to me. God spoke about me. God spoke for me in the sense of for my good. But we're not considering the aspect that God was also speaking to the rest of humanity. He was also speaking to the rest of the folks at the foundry as well. And their obedience or lack of obedience affected what God was speaking to you. Because God is way more relational and way more communal, we forget that aspect and always bank on the fact that everything should work out the way God has spoken to me. It's a very individualistic uh, point of view. And that's not to say that God doesn't care about you. He does want the best for you, but God is also speaking to all of creation at the same time. And the goal is not individual obedience. The goal is holistic and communal obedience to walk in what we call the will of God or the desires of God. So the fact that things didn't work out the way you envisioned them to work out isn't necessarily that God didn't speak to you about those things. It's simply because we're all trying to figure out what it means to hear God's voice. And maybe, I don't know, I don't know anyone, well, I know some folks from the foundry, but I don't know what happened at the foundry to make it not last. But what Lack if God, of finances. There, well, that's even, uh, perfect. That's, even, that's even a greater reason to know that God may have been speaking to someone about donating or supporting financially, and they didn't you know, properly distinguish what God was saying, and they may not have given, right? So there's also that complication is that one God, uh, especially in Christianity, we like to use the word like God is sovereign and God is all powerful. Therefore, he can make everything happen. But if we understand that the main point that everything that God wants is relationship and because relationship is anchored in the aspect of love, God is willing to navigate and to work through situations and circumstances in our life through the perspective and lens of love. And that means that not every situation turns out the best or turns out as we would expect it. And that also means that God is willing to risk and willing to engage in a relationship and actually give up the certainty of everything, every little detail, like the t-shirt I'm going to wear or the socks I'm going to wear or what's going to happen at work to the T. God is willing to give those things up in order to see a more holistic, loving experience when it comes to choice. We got preacher Sergi in here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, and let me be clear. I, I said all of that as part of my story in a way that so it's maybe it sounded heavy. That was my goal. I'm not there where I'm like still angry or still necessarily mm-hmm. question things, but that's an example of where I was at that time. And that idea of how does all this work with God's call. Now, what you just said, where I am now in my faith, I like 
I think it makes sense. I like the idea of it. I have not heard it described that way, though, much in my life and in my time of going to church. It's usually more of like God's will. God's will be done. Now, I've heard people say God has a call, and if you're a if you're not obedient, you may miss out on God's plan for you. I've even heard people say, this is going to happen. God's going to make this happen. He wants to use you. If you're disobedient, at some point he'll find someone else, like stuff like that. But ultimately, this idea of like it being diff- like us kind of influencing the outcome. Mm-hmm is not something I've heard much. So I would, so, you know, like somebody would probably say now, looking back on my story, God's will was for you to come to St. Augustine. Mm -hmm. You thought it was to be part of the foundry and it never was. And it's Mm -hmm. just this, we don't always know God's will and it changed and we're still figuring out. And looking back at some point, you'll understand years later that it was not the foundry wasn't the call. You working with that community, it's something else. But that is what God used to get you to St. Augustine. And I'm not even saying that's wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying it's like it's moving the goalpost of and the culture I grew up in and I I'm tell me if I'm wrong but you've probably kind of heard it that way as well yeah for sure yeah like yeah. Th- no this was God's plan oh no you just misunderstood that's why mm-hmm. what you said was God what you thought was God's will wasn't isn't what happened because mm-hmm. you misunderstood you misunderstood oh you must have got it so it's constantly moving the goalpost yeah God's not wrong you just haven't figured it out yet you know, so again, I like your way of thinking about it, but it's still that idea of like, not only do people that aren't believers have to let go of dreams. Mm-hmm. And let me know if you've experienced this, because I have some more examples, but I want to know if you have any examples of like this. I, like, to me, it's harder to be to ra- be raised in, in the church in America and have this belief based on what you've been taught that God's call is this and then it not happen. It's harder to let go because, because you I became angry, but there's also these things of like, wait, God, so am I doing something wrong? Have I messed up? I thought this is what you wanted, yada, yada. You know, these things that like when you believe the creator of all has a plan for you and then that plan mm-hmm. doesn't come to fruition, it can be hard to let go of that plan and to, and it can cause a whole bunch of emotions to come from it. Sure. So like, I mean, have you, so if you like had moments Obviously, it seems now you're in a what I would consider a healthier theology that we would probably be called heretics for mm-hmm. <laughs> to some degree. For sure. But did you do do you have a time in your life where you did believe more that kind of like concrete God as a call? I did. I mean, basically that's how I was raised. The fact that 
you, I mean, it's closely tied to the idea of what it means to obey God or follow his commandments, right? Because if you follow all of his commandments perfectly, then your life will turn out perfect. Right. So there, but there was also a little nuance being raised around this idea that there is mystery. So I think my parents kind of instilled that concept in me that there is kind of mystery. Things don't always go as they're planned, but that doesn't deny or uh, unvalidate the idea of God's will for your life. Right. For so, me, the, for yeah. me that, sorry, I just want to take it. For me, it would be that kind of move the goalpost again of like mystery. Oh, you just misunderstood or his plan is still a mystery that type mm-hmm. of so it's like if yeah it's that there's changing also, it yeah there's also a negative concept of mystery that a lot of the times people use as an excuse for the unknown oh yes. god's ways are higher than our ways we can't figure that out i mean i think that's a bunch of bullshit because god <laughs> does <laughs> because god does want for you to know him that that is ultimately the will of God is for you to know God ultimately, right? So it has a lot to do with your perspective and your experience and what it means to have a relationship with God. Does that mean that he is this authoritarian figure that literally tells you all these things like you should do this, you should go do that, you should this, 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 and it's all about following his direction and it's all about following his rules or is your relationship with God where God is living out life with you day to day, like the idea of being led by the Spirit day to day? You may not have a major plan, but you also know that ultimately God is good and he'll work things out in the end. And that's where I go into the idea of the stat or uh, the dynamic will of God with the idea of a static will of God that... Ultimately, what does God want? God wants Mm -hmm. complete reconciliation of the world. He wants everything to be in perfect harmony. That's what he wants on the grand scheme of things. But the day-to-day doesn't look like perfect harmony. There's an ebb and flow in our relationship with God. And to me, it's way more appealing to know the fact that God is living life with me and I am experiencing God day-to-day And that doesn't necessarily mean that I am going to do everything perfectly or that, in a sense, everything's going to turn out great. Like, I don't know what's going to happen when I get in my car tonight, right? But I'm willing to risk that because I have this trust that God is with me. It's all about God's presence being instead of this whole idea of doing and what can I do for God. Gotcha. And and again, I... I, I track with you. We don't agree with everything, obviously, mm-hmm. but I track when it comes to like our faith and all that jazz, but I'm tracking with you so far. And I like, I do kind of agree with all of that. So, but with that said, as much or as little as you want, I want, I would like to hear your example of mm-hmm. some time in your life back when you still were more in that culture of this is God's call. This is God's will. This is, if there was ever a time where you truly felt this is what God wants me to do, and he, this is going to be the outcome. Um, I'm divorced, right? You, yeah, <laughs> you, you yeah. are divorced. 
Exactly. God doesn't like divorce, right? Right. Yeah. Did yeah. God uh, did God speak to me to get married to Courtney? So then did God envision the divorce coming and he actually spoke the divorce into existence? Or what happened with the divorce? I that's exact I think in my life knowing that when um Courtney and I got married we both sensed the fact that God was speaking to us to get married. Yeah. We, we believed that. We experienced that. There was a lot of, quote-unquote, confirmations of we have to or should be together, mm. for sure. Right. To this day, I still believe that. Right. I do. I, I think that's fine. Uh, I did think that God spoke into my understanding where I was in my life, that was the right thing to do. Now, did God speak that because he envisioned the divorce? I don't think so. I don't think so. Right. I think God wanted ultimately the best outcome for my life. And the reason I'm saying that is not because I'm saying that ultimately divorce is evil and bad. There, it, it is pretty bad for sure, but it happened to me. And now I'm living um, on in like a post-divorce era of my life where I'm remarried and I have a beautiful child and I love Deja and I can't imagine a better life than now. Right. But the actual process of divorce was not God's will for my life. I don't think that. So there is that tension of the fact that, yes, God said this. Yes, this happened. Why did it happen? I'm not fully sure. But the fact is, what I was uh, saying earlier, is the fact that God was still in my divorce. He was still in that process. He wasn't absent from the process. And what I realized through the divorce, it's that navigation, that journey in my life where God spoke for me to get married to Courtney the divorce happened and I don't, you know, I don't want to get critical as to why it happened. Right. What happened? happened. Who was disobedient? The fact is it happened. Right. And God never left that. Mm -hmm. So when we, a lot of the times when we talk about not being in God's will, we tie it very closely to disobedience or we're not in God's will because we did something wrong. Right. I think a lot of the times things don't happen according to God's will is because the world is still pretty jacked up. We're all still trying to figure it out and mm-hmm. we all don't get it perfectly. I would ask everyone to basically do an audit of their life and say, did everything in your life go perfect? Probably not. Why did it not go perfect? Was it all your fault or did certain things in your life just happen to you? And that wasn't because you did anything wrong. It's because someone else possibly did something wrong or even natural disasters. The Bible, a lot of the times Mm -hmm. talks about that as the earth and the world still groaning and it's still in this tension of not being perfect. So there are things that happen in the world that aren't perfect, but ultimately God is more concerned about being And when I was going through the divorce, when I was going through counseling, when I was suffering, you you were there with me throughout that whole process. I was. And it was all about slowing down and just stopping, 
just surrounding yourself with community and in that essence, hearing God's voice and being just uh, restored in general. Right. Now, I'm going to attempt to do a little devil's advocate mm-hmm. of, you know, like someone that has either left the faith or left church or someone that's just never believed. So, God told you to marry someone. God is all powerful, all knowing, knows what's going to happen. Knit you together in your mother's womb and knows what's going to happen in your life before then. The Bible also says that God doesn't like divorce. Mm -hmm. So would you say God would put people together and cause divorce? Would God do that? He hates divorce, the Bible says. No, because the whole premise of that question is very linear. Yes. Very linear. But someone right? someone that's not of faith, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like this is a, that's a common thing. Again, I'm trying yeah. to play devil's advocate. Right. If I'm so but it's just that idea of how do you someone of faith or someone that's going through this process right now of like I thought this was my call, God you're here, but why did it happen this way? So like someone or someone not a faith is look at this and be like, okay, you say God told you to marry this woman. God told this woman to marry you. God does not like divorce. But God let you get divorced. How? Mm -hmm. So again, it's that, so that's that idea of like, why would you believe in this God that's all powerful, all knowing, wants the best for you mm-hmm. and believe he told you to marry and then let divorce happen, something he hates? Why would he ever call you into that marriage if he's all knowing and knows it's going to end in something he also hates? Mm-hmm. Yep. Isn't he causing it to happen by putting you two together? Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't necessarily have to answer that yeah. too much, but it's just those are the types of things that as a Christian, you may go there when stuff like that happens, or like a non-believer is looking at, and it's like this makes no sense. Mm-hmm. That idea of like God's call. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't think God sees things in a very linear way right. that in a sense of, Oh, I'm going to set these two up to get married, but they're going to get a divorce down the road. I think God sees it in a much more dynamic way. So mm-hmm. did he know or see the possibility of divorce? Yeah. I think God, when uh, Deja and I got married, God also saw the possibility of Deja and I getting a divorce too. He saw that. Right. Sure. There's always a, tell me one relationship that anyone's ever been t- in that didn't have the possibility of a breakup. That's not, there's no such thing, right? Because every single time we get into a relationship, we risk the possibility of heartbreak, but that's also what makes every single relationship. So amazing is because within that risk, we get to experience true love and true love without risk is not really love. So I think when God calls people to, 
certain things, especially relationship is a very tricky one because of how dynamic it is. But I don't think that he does it in a, such a linear way that automatically absolutes you from any kind of pain. Uh, one of the major things, uh, an important thing that I learned during my divorce, a mentor of mine and a pastor once shared, we live in stereo. We live in both pain and peace. And that is the will of God. Like God isn't just calling us to live in this place where we don't experience pain, but God takes the two and we see and hear and experience life in a dynamic way where we both experience pain and peace. And we can both call pain and peace good. That's beautiful. I think that's gorgeous. It's tricky. It's not easy. It's not linear. Uh, I think we, because our primary focus in life as humans is to survive. And Mm -hmm. that concept doesn't make sense for survival. Like why, honestly, marriage is stupid if you want to avoid pain. It it requires so many aspects of uh, pain that why would you ever risk getting into a marriage? But we also know that commitment in this aspect of uh, relationship and long-term commitment is beautiful outside of the institute. I'm not talking about legal marriage. I'm not talking about the institution of marriage. I'm talking about a form of commitment that's long and lasting, whether you've been in a relationship for seven or eight years or you've been legally married for seven or eight years, that consistency and that form of commitment, that relational commitment is so beautiful. And there's so much goodness that comes out of it that I I, I think, I mean, I, I don't know what else to explain and why God wouldn't call us to that form of uh, relational commitment, whether it's, you know, like I said, whether it's like legal marriage or not. Or long-term friendships, right? No, I agree. And all of that, yes, it brings pain. And it's the pain, it's the experiencing the pain and the hurt that then causes the joy and the love to be so good. There's, uh, you saying all that, you made me think of a song lyric by Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. Oh, yeah. The, The name of the song is Can't Take It With You. And the lyric is... Is it possible to be happy and be human? Certainly, but not without the pain. Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought of when you were saying all that. Now, here's the thing. In the whole, like, God's will for your life, God's call, often it said, yes, that's part of it. God never promised us we wouldn't be painful. Also, often it says, you know, like, God is teaching you through these moments. God is preparing you for something. So it's impossible to deny that stuff is part of life. And unless you're extremely into uh, the what's uh, my mind is going blank. Prosperity gospel. Prosperity. I knew it started with a P. So unless you're (laughs) super into prosperity gospel, where it's this idea of like everything is wonderful. And we'll have a whole nother episode on that sometime. I think that stuff's bullshit. (laughs) the majority of people i know through church would would sum it up as we have trials we have tests 
look at the people of the Bible, their lives were not perfect. They died. They had pain. That is part of it. And it, but also it prepares us. So yes, Uh but that's all in God's plan and God's call. So what you're saying to me, I think makes a lot of sense. The idea of the relational and where it's more is like, God may be the chess master, but he's letting us move pieces and letting us move pieces, let other people move pieces and his, Uh what move he makes may change or may not be decided. It may also be based on us. And I like that again, how do you, how do we in the church do that? And also say, well, God's call is this. So, you know, it's again, it's, it's that dynamic of what we've gone through. I thought my call was to come here. I, for a long time, have felt that I was supposed to create a church community, a community in St. Augustine. It has not happened yet. I've been here almost a decade, and I still feel that. Mm-hmm. I still feel that it's supposed to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. So it's that thing, again, of like, how do you let go of that timing or all this stuff? So like, of God's will. And I think a lot, like, it's just thinking of all this stuff. How do you do that as a Christian when you've had these voices of disobedience is why it doesn't happen, or you're just not listening good enough, or this? So, like, you hear all these voices that we've heard growing up, like, you know, like the whole, like, being supposed to be married thing. You know, because I know that you were told, oh, y'all are out of God's will if you're getting a divorce. You're not supposed to get a divorce. Right, exactly. So, you know, and all this stuff like, and how like that is, like, this is not supposed to happen. This is, you're disobedient right now. Mm-hmm. And all of that type of stuff. And it's like, so how do you deal with that and still somehow hold on to a faith when what you constantly have been taught and what you think is not happening? How do you let go of that without just like letting go of everything? Mm -hmm. Again, all of that is tied into, I feel like I'm a broken record, but all of that is tied. (laughs) That's my fault. I'm the one asking the question. (laughs) All of that, like the whole idea of the will of God, most of the time it's tied into the fact of what can you do for God or what God how does God want to use you? Right. And yes. those two ideas are, they, they make me so angry because primarily what does God want from people? He wants relationship. He wants connection. Yeah. He wants presence. And I think if we reframe our whole perspective on the will of God from the concept of presence of being, then we'll start to understand what the will of God is. Like God, I, I believe that God is so much more concerned about you loving God and loving people that anything else you do within that area and within that scope, if it's loving and you're being honest. And I know many of us can disagree on what is loving. We've talked about, you know, abortion, Mm -hmm. like what is loving when it comes to abortion, right? I think there's also so much nuance that God is willing to navigate that aspect of love with us in our life. 
So therefore, when we're honest, and it takes so much humility, it takes so much uh, self-awareness to know what God's will is for you. Right. And that, it's not linear. It's going to change. It's going to, it's dynamic. Like, that's why I keep referring to static and dynamic. Mm -hmm. I think the static will of God is, again, that God wants the whole world to operate in love. That's the static. That's his ultimate desire. But how it comes about I don't know. And I'm not going to speak for what God knows or does not know. I believe God is navigating that Mm -hmm. as well. So therefore, there's this aspect of just knowing God and then making him known as cheesy as that sounds. Yeah. So good to, you know, we talked about some of the stuff I've done and you've done. like So pulling back to life example. Mm Mm-hmm. I got over the whole being angry because I had lost my community, things like that. I do still think I'm supposed to create something. Now, what I also realized is I believe God has wired me as a community person. Yeah. And so it's something I want to do. I want to do that. I do still feel that God like has wired that in me. But again, it hasn't happened yet. Not only has it not happened yet, but the church that I have been working at is ending. When Caleb, who was on our podcast two weeks ago, he talked about being part of this church that now, and now he's left it when he and I met and became friends that led that started because he wanted to support the things I was doing in the community, not church related, yeah. but he knew my ultimate goal. So he wanted to support me. That led to me starting to go to that church that led to me working for that church. And there was this idea of he and I working together and doing ministry together and doing something out of this church. Looked a whole lot like we were doing God's will and that this was God's plan. Mm-hmm. He at that time, and I don't want to put too many words in his mouth, but he would say back then he never wanted that. Like, he's like, I want, he, I don't know if he ever said, God wants me to stay at Coquina. That was the name of the church that's soon ending. But he definitely said, I want to, I want to keep doing this. This is what I want to do. I, I want to just do this. I, until like I retire or die, this is what I want to do. This is the community I want to be in. He would say things along those lines. Like I want to just, this is what I want to do. And obviously the church is ending. Mm -hmm. He is now at an Episcopal church and I don't know where I'm going to end up yet. And all of that is fine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like I'm completely content with all of that. But again, for people that grew up in the church on the outside that would be watching this, this is God's will. And then it just falls apart. They would probably say misunderstood God's will. Maybe they would go along where you are now. And I'm probably kind of head there too of that was God's will, but either Caleb and I did something wrong or maybe other people in the church did something wrong and that ended it. I am not saying that. I am not putting that on them. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying 
that's where some people may be. But then you got like friends of ours that aren't Christians that, you know, we're close with. And it's like, you work together. The church is ending. Stop with all this God's will nonsense. Mm -hmm. This is just what happens. It's called life. Yeah. And sometimes that makes a lot more sense to me then keep thinking there's this plan and a God's will when it, when it seems, it seems so sure. Mm -hmm. This is the truth. This is the way, this is the life. Yep. And then it gets ripped out from under you again, mm -hmm. you know? So at some point I can see why people are starting to say, you know, like all that stuff y'all are talking about is nonsense. Yeah. You know? Totally. Again, yeah, totally. I, I, I agree. I think sometimes it's just easier to can the idea of God's will. And again, I would say it's mm -hmm. because God's will has been misunderstood for so long. Yeah. And therefore, yeah, I would say can it. It's a lot of my friend Steve McVeigh says like, I'm an atheist now because the God of evangelical Christianity is not the God I know and that God doesn't exist Mm -hmm. so therefore I'm an atheist. So, and I think to a lot of folks, the idea of God's will, like I think we need to one, either deconstruct it or just can the whole thing and burn it down and just stop living in that mentality of, I need to um, find God's will and stick to that and go through those loops of acceptance to make sure that you're following God. I think that needs to be stopped. And right. I think it's totally okay in, living a life trying to pursue what is right. But every one of us, whether you're a believer in God or you're not a believer, you're still going to make decisions based on a set of values. So yes. you're still going to go through a process of trying to understand, oh, what's good for me and what's not good for me, or what's good for the community and what's not good for the community. We're still going to make choices. Like, no matter what, we're still going to try to do the best. And I think yes. that's also part of knowing God. When you know God, you start making different choices because you start seeing things differently. Right. And where I am now in life, I would say I love, I've had this conversation a lot lately as I'm going through a process of training and stuff for planting this church that I do still feel is God's will. Mm -hmm. yeah. I could be wrong and I'm okay with that. Now, if I'm wrong, I will be disappointed, but it's not going to cause me to question my faith. But 10 years ago, the way I understood and the way I was trained and the way I was taught God's will is this, unless you screw it up, this is what's going to happen. God spoke, God said it, you know, um, but that's what, so where I am now is I still want to start a community. I want to love people. The reason I have become what many would say more liberal, more progressive Democrat, I say is that is God. God has shown love and grace to me and I want to treat others as best I can with love and grace. I want people that are oppressed to not be oppressed because of the love I have out of my faith. Right. I feel like that's how I'm supposed to treat people and I screw it up a lot, 
but that's mm-hmm. how I'm supposed. And that is because of my faith yeah. that I believe that about people and I want to live that way. And I want to treat people that way. I want to give love because I believe my faith that my, that God loves me. Mm-hmm. And so that is where I am now. And even back then I would have said that's where I was, but I guess it's just, you did missionary work. I never really did, but a very common phrase in the church is we're all on mission. Mm-hmm. So whatever God's will is, whatever God's plan is, whatever God wants you to do, that's your mission. Whether you're actually sent to be a missionary or my mission was to go to the foundry. My mission was or is to create a community in St. Augustine, Florida. That's the mission. I'm, I'm go ahead. The title of this episode is going to be God's call mission or myth. Because mm-hmm. ultimately it boils down to not saying it's not yeah. true, not saying God's not real. I totally, but either there are these things that truly is that, or that it's not so. And I think we're, you know, we've already nailed on you. Ex- you are at a place where you can understand it a little differently. So when people say God has sent me on mission and someone looks back and says, no, you wanted to move to that beach town or you wanted to move to Hawaii. It's a little harder when you move to like a third world country, but this for, okay. For this specific example, so many Mm -hmm. times people will say, God told us we were going to, to move to this city and plant a church Mm -hmm. and people on the outside looking in say, no, you wanted to move to this city. You wanted to move to the beach. Mm-hmm. So you did that. But you're saying we moved here because God called us to move here. Mm-hmm. One's mission, or it's a myth. Not one is one is mm-hmm. it, either it's true or it's not. Uh, so like I would say sometimes it, I would say sometimes it happens. Often we mistake kind of like what you were saying, God's call, mm-hmm. our mission, and it is a myth. We've turned it into a myth because we're saying God said this. Yeah. And it's what we want to do. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think both are wrong in that sense. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, uh, it's, a, it's neither exclusively mission or exclusively myth. It's a myth mission. Right. It's both. You know, I mean, there's, there's a sense of uncertainty and mystery in that. And there's also a sense of very direct objective in all of it as well. Mm-hmm. So I think when it comes to the idea of, oh, you know, did call God call you or someone to Hawaii or to the beach? Yes, he did. But also that 
a judgment from someone. Like, for example, when someone on from the external point of view is assessing these, you know, experiences, someone is happening and they're trying to catch someone in a mistake of, uh, are they really hearing God or are they being selfish? I think when that person is subjectively judging someone, they're basically stepping into a place of saying that they know what's best for that person. Mm. Or they're also judging from a perspective of where they think, oh, that's ultimately, that's like a dream. Like who wouldn't want to live at the beach? Right. Let me tell you, a lot of people wouldn't want to live at the beach. Right. A lot. Okay. Just now, because it works for someone and you are glorifying this idea of, or someone being called on mission to Paris, France. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. That doesn't mean that they always go to the Eiffel Tower and eat baguettes or something. You know what I baguette. mean? Yeah. <laughs> that. Uh, Okay. I think sometimes okay. our judgment clouds that idea, and therefore we start to judge things as like, oh, that can't be God. God just wants you to suffer. And then sometimes maybe it is God, and God just wants you to experience whatever it is, you know? Yes. You're dismantling me. This is, or my thoughts. This is good. All right. Here's me, devil's advocate, because not only have I heard people say this, that are like, that's not mission. That's a, your, your call is a myth, but I have thought this and some of the scenarios. So like, first off, if you want to plant a church, fine. If you also want to move to this area, fine, move there and plant a church. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Same. But when you, but then you tie it in with, God has called us to move here and plant a church to reach people for the kingdom. And we need you to help pay for it. Yeah. That's missions or a mission or a lot of these things is usually built on fundraising. You lived on fundraising at some time. Totally. So I've thought about it. So I, I weird. So for me, it's like I'm at a place now where I'm like, if you say you're wanting to do this for mission and because God called you, yada yada yada, my first reaction is probably going to be, will you please just say, hey, we want to move here and we also want to plant a church mm-hmm. instead of trying to make it this supernatural. Yeah. God called. I am much more where I am now in life. I'm much more likely to say, I'm going to support you if you say that. Cause I think that's more honest than mm-hmm. God called us to this city to the. Yeah. God, I think, yeah. Made you someone that wants to plant a church. You want to yeah. live at the beach. Yeah. That's fine. And it, right. both can exist. I think, right. again, we have this concept of God that God only wants suffering for us or these negative mm-hmm. aspects for that. And whether we're on the receiving end of that or we're on the outside perspective and we're looking at people that are saying, God is calling me to move to Hawaii. And we can't imagine God saying that. 
And I think that also portrays our lack of understanding who God is because our understanding that God will only call you to what you call a third world, which is also, there's Mm -hmm. so many issues with that. Not only is there an issue around who uh, many folks see who God is, but there's also an issue of how people view the world. And there's a lot of elitism in that talk. There's a lot of colonialism in that talk. And there's just a lot of uh, concepts that are not healthy in that conversation and saying, because God is wanting you to move to an area that is more remote, all of a sudden makes it true because there's an idea of like savorism and you're going to rescue these people and make right. them more white and American. Right. Um, so therefore it's justified as Preach. good. Or if right. God is calling you to move to, uh, I don't know, the UK or, you know, New York or LA to do a mission. Therefore it's less holy because there's like this quote unquote bougie lifestyle. It's just, I, these ideas come from, our clouded judgment of what is good and right. I don't think those ideas really come from who God is. Right. No, and I'm with you. And that's where I guess for me, for me, I'm at this place of maybe God did call you to this place or that place. Mm -hmm. Cool. But also where maybe God created you to like the beach or to wherever you are. Maybe God created you to be a servant. And so Mm -hmm. therefore you looked for a place to go and serve. Yep. And you found that place. So God in a way still called you. He created you to do this thing. Yes. God, I believe God's created me as a community person i thrive in community i'm always thinking about community i often when i get most mad at the church is as moments when i'm like when i hear something said and my immediate thought is i think how will someone that's not of church or someone that is that people group you're talking about because so often when it comes to church stuff they're talking about others they're talking about the the them. them right my immediately me and thought is how would those people perceive it the people in that community the people in, exactly so that's just that's how i'm wired yep god also for whatever reason made me infatuated with saint augustine since i was young yep so i don't know if it's necessarily god called god knit blah 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 or god made me a community person God made me someone that wants to create that, that loves music and art. So he wants to do it in those areas. And he loves, and I'm someone that likes St. Augustine. So these are, this is who God made me. And Mm -hmm. out of that, this is what I want to do. Yep. And I would say that's still of God. Yep. That's kind of more where I am that not as mission, a myth, but it's it's less, and maybe sometimes God does so. Like this is going to be linear for this person, mm-hmm. uh, but I do think it's much more of I made you this way, mm-hmm. or I've made you this way in this season. These are your passions. Yep. 
Now, do something loving and good with them. Yep. Yep. I 100% agree. That's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. That idea of a relational will of God. Right. And I think yep. that that's where I am now. That is more where I think God means by the call. And I read something a little while back of used to this person was talking about this idea of, I thought I was supposed to do this. I thought I was supposed to do this. People said, this is what you should do, but I really enjoyed this. And this, and these things were things I really liked. And people were like, these are distractions. And ultimately the person realized, wait a second, who's to say God didn't put these things that I like for me to use them for him. Like, why is it wrong for me to pursue my passions and the things I'm interested in? Yeah. Why can't that be God's call? And I get to, but he's letting me figure it out. Yeah. Like, why not? Like, why do we have to automatically assume that if we love or are passionate about something that that's not God? Right. Why? And It, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where I am now. I think I'll say this. If you are someone that has left the church because so much you were told this is God's call, this is God's call, and that it didn't pan out, I feel for you, mm-hmm. and I get it. If you're someone that's never been part of church and you look at it and you're all like, life is just life, and these are all coincidences, and you're panning it off as this God thing. I get it. Because of my faith, I'm not there. Yeah. Same. But I will say you can, where I am and what I believe is you could really save yourself a lot of confusion, a lot of anger, a lot of worry and concern that you were wrong if you if you change the way you look at God's will and it's less of oh this is the call this is how this is matter of fact then you may never be someone that thinks god told me i'm supposed to marry you only for that person to say i don't even want to date you yeah exactly yep. somewhere in the teaching we're being taught so that God's will is supposed to be so clear and so this. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not. Yeah. And it's so painful and it's so confusing when it does not happen. Yep. And at some point, you get sick of moving the goalposts that that's still the culture you're raised in and what you think. So, yep. 100%. you know. 100%. Yeah. So now, also now, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. if we had more time, we could definitely tie this back into church abuse, which, you know, we've yeah. talked about on previous episodes is right. the fact that a lot of it is stemmed from this idea of it starts healthy and starts nice in the sense of, oh, I want to help you discover the will of God. And then it a lot of the times moves into like manipulation or control to where you must do this. Like 
God said, or God told me, you have to do this. And if you don't do this, you're disobeying God. And a lot of spiritual that's not God's will. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so back to my question as we, before we end, was it, do you remember what the question was? Mm, kind of, but rephrase it. Was it God's will from the beginning from when before you were knitted in your mother's womb for you to marry Deja, move back to Washington State, and have rain? Uh, in a linear way, no. In a relational way, yes. <laughs> gotcha. It's not a clean-cut answer. There is no clean-cut answer. Again, um, yeah, I, don't, I can't answer that in a clean-cut answer because at the end of the day, I know that God's will for my life has always been love. Mm. And what that right now, looking back 2020, I can say yes, because the life I'm experiencing right now is better than I can imagine or have imagined it before. So yes, it is part of God's will. But to also look at all the suffering and say, did God want me to suffer through all of this? I don't think his desire was for the suffering to happen, but was God there through the suffering? Yes. So did I experience God's will in the suffering? Absolutely. So you experienced God's presence presence. and love in the suffering. Which, which his love and presence is his ultimate will for me and the world. (laughs) While, while I completely agree with you, do you understand how like, Oh, 100%. When I think back yeah. to me 10, 15 years ago, I would be like, this doesn't, that doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't. Yeah. It and, doesn't make rational sense. I 100% right. agree. It doesn't make rational sense. I right. agree. But from what I've experienced, it makes total sense. Yeah. Like and where I, I am that, at right now, it makes total mm-hmm. sense. And I think, again, that's where we trip up. We try to rational a lot. I think it became the church's way of rationalizing by saying this is god's will this is what you need to do mm-hmm. oh it's your will and then whether we even realize it or not we decide we want to do this or we try to do this and because we're a christian and it's a good thing whether subconsciously sometimes we just immediately it turns into god told me this yeah. is god's will i I'm a good Christian and I really like that young lady Mm -hmm. somehow because of the culture I've been brought up in. This is God telling me. So yes, if we can look at it more like what you're saying and I'm starting to feel like I look at it that way, I think it can help a lot of confusion. I think it can cause some people to stay in the faith and ultimately it'll grow a relationship with God. But I think also for people on the outside that don't have a faith, if we as Christians from the get-go explained it that way, it might be a little easier to accept. Even if they don't necessarily believe it and get on board to understand why we live in what and refer to God's call. Because when they see us calling it that and asking for money and then it fails. They're like, where's this God that you said that it was your call? Yeah. So anyways, I feel like this was very much a rambling episode, but 
I know it's something that I've experienced a lot of. I've moved past. You've experienced. You've moved past. And I guess this is an episode more for definitely the people of the church. Mm-hmm. But I hope you, if we are right, I hope people listening can move past those moments of where we think it's God's call and then it all falls apart and we're left with God. You told me. So what happened? Did I do something wrong? Did I? So yeah, like help us through that. This is a great episode on the concept of like journey. Yes. It's just, this is, I mean, this is a journey. This is how we navigate life is talking about these, huge concepts of like God's will. Right. I I can guarantee you that everything I've said on this podcast, there was a dose of kind of inaccuracy. And because a lot of it is me speculating, me trying to understand these huge mysterious topics, like will of God, or what does it mean to, you know, live life? There's a lot of nuance to it. And I know, know for sure that I'm, I don't get it all right. And my theology and understanding of these topics are going to change. And I hope they do. I hope I don't just continually see things the same way. And I hope I understand things on a deeper level. Therefore it's going to change my answers throughout the years. So, yeah. And same with me. And that's where, you know, it's been on my mind a lot because obviously I'm now leaving a church job. Yeah. And I'm things are changing again. Things have still not happened that I thought was going to happen. Ten years ago, that would have been more of a crisis of faith, or it probably would have made me angry. That's usually what I resort to when things don't go where I thought God wanted them to go. Mm-hmm. And so now, it's different. And I look at it the way we're describing, but it, because of the changes happening and me thinking like, all right, I just turned 40. I still don't have the church plant yet. I thought I was going to be at Coquina maybe for a little while or more so I thought Caleb and I were really going to do something. And now it looks like we're going to be friends in ministry, maybe not together. And yeah. and I'm okay with that now. But 10 years ago, it would have caused me to really be like confused and worried because something went wrong with my mission and God's call. And now I don't see it that way. But it was just thinking of all that made me realize how much I've changed. And I knew uh-huh. that you and I agree on some areas. Right. And I, again, to sum it up, it is a journey and we're still figuring it out and we're going to get some things wrong. But I want anyone that's gone through that in faith or going through it right now, to, if you and I are right... The way we're describing it is a lot less painful and a lot less guilt feeling and a lot less confusion of God, where did I go wrong? Because this was what you told me was supposed to happen and now it hasn't. I hope so. I hope folks listen to this are are encouraged. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah, that's good for now. We will talk very soon. And... I have a book for you that's coming in the mail. Oh, sick. Heck yeah. Um, yep. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Nice. All right. Thank you, everyone, that listened to our ramblings of trying to understand God's will that we don't even know if that is actually a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about love. It's all about love. 
Laters. Thank you for joining us. We are glad to have you with us as we navigate through faith, life, and our shared humanity.